Now, you wouldn't think it with the weather this weekend, but some are saying hot summers are to become the norm. On the programme this week, we look at the products being designed to help crops beat weather extremes. It's been proven this year that drought or no drought, we can still pull results out the bag. Also, Kelly will be here later with her water quality update and more reaction to the agriculture bill. Does delinking create more questions than it answers? The Week in Agriculture. This is the Farming Programme with Sean Dunderdale. We've spoken at length on the programme about the weather extremes we've uh, seen this year, from the heavy snow in February, March, to the drought of June and July. It does seem strange talking today about weather extremes, given the extreme rain that we've been getting through the weekend. Uh, Despite the weather, though, some farmers have still managed to break a record or two with their harvest this year. And yes, Tim Lammerman, no stranger to the programme, is among them once again, up on top of the wolds. Now, while it is down to the right farming practice... It's also thanks to using the right products. Products designed for such weather extremes and the stresses it puts on the crops. And it's not just in this country either that farmers are turning to such products. Much of Europe, of course, saw higher than usual temperatures this summer. And in Australia, well, the drought there has been unbelievable. Uh, Mark Carter is Director of Bionature UK. Mark, uh, you supply products to Tim Lammerman, among others. You've also expanded to Australia as well this year. How would you sum up the summer for your business? Bionature, this summer, I would say, with the results we've had, has come of age, really, because it's been proven this year that drought or no drought, we can still pull results out of the bag. And um, we've always known that with what's going on with the products, with the early routing, the early application and it, it's come to life again Tim Lammerman up on the Wolds you know, we, we've heard his name many times before for breaking records he still managed to break records this year despite the conditions and using your product as well yeah he's done very well again um, he's achieved over 7 tonnes a hectare of oilseed rape and um, it's just it's just incredible uh, ok he's a great farmer he's, his attention to detail is good his nutrition uh, program is at all hours and um, it's quite intense. There's a lot going on with it, but he's getting it on at the correct timing. He's built programs for ourselves to push out to other farms. We've developed a new product this year um, for peas called Top It. Um, we've pushed that out to Bird's Eye. Um, they've uh, endorsed it this year. We've got 10 farmers using it within the group. Uh, we've had an 18% yield increase with one of the farmers. We've achieved another high yield up at Tim's with the product. So the peas has gone particularly well. Um, the beans have gone very well with the um, calflux at flowering, um, which is a calcium. Winter wheat, uh, we've entered the yen competition, the yield enhancement competition. Um, for the fourth time with wheat, we can't yet announce what we've achieved with yen. Um, but what I will say is that we've entered it four times and we've won it three times. Whether we've won it this coming year, I don't know, Sean, but it'll be very interesting. We know we've done very well, but we'll wait and see. So the wheat, we're very happy, obviously, to uh, not a lot of wheat gone in yet, if any. No wheat will have gone in yet. Um, but we're... We're getting ready for that program. Um, We've got some new ideas. We're going to launch a new product, uh, CropTech, which we've been using, um, which is all about anti-stress. So that'll be interesting. That's a CropTech. 
um, this year. What's now is the oilseed rape, um, which I said earlier, we've achieved over seven tonnes a hectare, um, which is a record breaker. Not everybody's going to break records, but everybody um, can use the product and start their rooting um, process early. And nine times out of ten, a big root um, will, if, if fed properly throughout the year, will lead into um, higher yields, healthier crops. So that's what we're looking at now. Obviously, flea beetle is a big problem, which um, we can't help with flea beetle. Um, what we can do is get a stronger, healthier plant much faster. So we'll wait and see. The company is growing year on year in volumes. We are now up to 70,000 litres of product sold, um, which we're really pleased with. Um, we've started a business in Australia. Um, which we've had some fantastic results back. And again, it's all about crop stress and um, our products going to Australia. We can prove that, you know, it's all anti-stress. Again, Australia's had very hot weather as well um, uh, recently, much more severe drought than even over here. Are you finding more people are picking up the phone saying we need products that will help with this stress that we're now facing because it looks like it's going to continue and we're going to get these hotter summers particularly here and the other side of the world over well for years to come now it seems absolutely the agronomists are phoning up um, which is really encouraging because those are the guys who have contact with um, the farmers a lot of them are almost farm managers in a way they can help and they're starting to show some interest we've got some group work going with some large agronomy groups now and um, they're inviting us in to go and talk to them about how we can help um, so it, it's it's a win-win for everybody really some positive news from the global changes in the weather that's mark carter from bionature uk someone else who's always watching the weather is kelly hewson fisher at anglian water here she is with the latest fortnightly update. Good morning. Well, so far, things have been relatively quiet on the water quality data front over the last two weeks. I'm sure the dry weather has played a huge role. Slug activity has been hugely variable across the region and the levels of metaldehyde, which is the active ingredient in some slug pellets, has remained low. It will be really interesting to see what effect the forecast rains have and how much has been sat on fields waiting to be washed off or washed through the soil and then able to make its way into rivers and streams, the raw waters where we abstract. We continue to see glyphosate in those raw waters. And as mentioned a fortnight ago, this is effectively removed within the water treatment process using ozone. As we move further into the season and we look at blackgrass control in oilseed rape, levels of carbetamide in products such as crawler and propizamide in products such as curb are detected. Carbetamide is treated within the water treatment works within the granular activated carbon process and propizamide is much more difficult to treat within the ozone process that I mentioned earlier. For further stewardship guidance on the oilseed rape herbicide, you can visit the Voluntary Initiative website. Going on to winter wheat, um, with some farmers drilling or at least thinking about drilling winter wheat, again, many of the herbicides used for blackgrass control are detected at this time of year. For example, flufenicet, which is in products such as Liberator and Crystal. Just as a reminder, please check if your land is in a surface water or groundwater safeguard zone by using the What's in Your Backyard website. 
Thank you, and I'll be back in a fortnight with another water quality update. Thank you. Kelly Hewson fisher as she said, she'll be back in two weeks' time. Right, also back with us is Kit Dickinson from Open Field with the latest on the uh, grain markets. Hello, Kit. Morning, Sean. How are you? I'm all right. Better than the weather. Um... Yes, it had to come at some point, though. <laughs> it did, it did, and boy, did it come. Uh, right, what's happening with uh, Open Field? Well, we've in the wheat market this week, we've had escalating trade wars between China and the U.S., And it sent soybeans to new contract lows today as Trump announced a third round of tariffs with an additional $2 billion worth of Chinese goods starting at a 10%, which will then rise to 25% on the 1st of January. China retaliated with a $60 billion of US goods, showing that neither side intends on backing down. Early harvest 19 plantings forecast for the US farmers revealed that they are ditching soybeans in favour of corn with a planted area forecast to drop from 89 million acres this year to 82 million acres next year. Conversely, corn acres in the US are forecast at 93 million acres versus this year at 89 million acres. Wheat markets also endured another round of Russian grain production chit-chat with comments from the Ag Ministry quoted saying that if grain production reaches above 105 million, the country's export will be 35 to 37 million tonnes. In the market that is otherwise void of fresh fundamental news, we continue to be pulled from side to side by political interference, seeing London wheat merely track Matif's movements with little specific UK news. Matif and Liffey closed trading on Wednesday in the green, following movements in CBOT, which has seen support from a firming Black Sea level and firmer Aussie values following the weekend's frosts, adding fresh doubt to the Australian board of 19 million tonnes, which is now their new estimate. EU Commission's monthly update made no changes to the EU wheat yields this week at 5.7 million hectares versus the five-year average of 5.97 million hectares, implying an unchanged wheat production number of 128 million tonnes. The EU did amend their spring and summer crop yields lower, seeing corn forecast down by 1.1% at 7.49 million hectares, suggesting a 0.8 million cut in production, circa 63 million tonnes. This is despite easing conditions for central and northern regions in Europe from mid-August onwards, which were deemed to be too late to offer any significance. The UK production is currently estimated at 13.5 million tonnes for 18 crop. Oilseed rate values have dropped this week on the back of a never-ending trade talks between the US and China. On a more positive note, both the EU and UK have a tight S&D and reasonable crush margins. And in the long term, it could be quite tight supply post-Christmas, which may help our oilseed rate values rise. Barley, as Chris said last week, barley's taken a bit of a back seat at present, as they cover in the nearby. As more data is published from the EU and UK barley harvest, consumers have a good indication of quality, but the availability of barley going forward remains more difficult to assess. Beans. Good quality human consumption beans are in demand at present due to export out of China at the beginning and end of October. Further forward, human consumption beans are still in demand, but feed beans vary hugely on quality and quantity. Therefore, specific values on parcels of beans, please contact your open field FBM. Moving on to prices, uh, feed wheat for November is 170 to 172x, February 173 to 175, May 176 to 178, and November 19, 156 to 158. Milling premiums are still circa 14 to 16 pounds. Oil seed rate, £307 to £309 for November, 
and February 310 to 312. Indicative values for May and the further forward are 313 to 314. Barley, November 365 to 367 and February 367 to 369. Malting premiums are between 25 and £30, dependent on quality. Beans, November 200 to 202 for feed beans and February 203 to 205. Humour consumption on a 555 spec for the very best quality are 30 to £35. Thanks, Kit. Kit Dickinson from Open Field. We've had about 10 days now to read through Michael Goh's Agriculture Bill, all 62 pages of it. Last week on the programme, we heard from Ben Underwood of the CLA with his views. If you missed him, it's still available on the podcast page of our website. What of Catherine Harris, Head of Agriculture at Wilkin Chapman Solicitors? What's uh, her take on the bill? The Agricultural Bill is enabling legislation. So there's so much detail... We don't know. We don't know the degree of reduction in payments over that seven-year period. Um, We've got new environmental land management agreements going to come in and there'll be a trial period. There's so much unknowns in this. Um, The environmental land management agreements will be key in implementing the government's policy of um, environmental benefits. It's, you know, a green and clean agri-bill. So we, we really do need to know some details and we really need to know some figures. So there's a huge amount of uncertainty. And just taking an example, one particular I've been looking at is delinking. So we don't know what that will feel like and be, but it's an idea of taking a lump sum payment which can be used for different projects or to enable new entrants into farming or um, those for enable people to retire. And I, I can see the intention of that, but how will that work in practice? You know, there's lots of farm business tenancy agreements out there and hopefully they will have proper provisions in there. But what happens if a tenant has entitlements, decides to de-link, tenancy ends, and then the landowner takes the land back and they are left with land which has got no payments? How does that affect them going forward? So there's, there's lots of issues like that. And yes, we've got the framework here. Yes, we need to see the detail. But the bigger issue is markets, what's going to happen in the markets, are we going to be placed in the situation of a no-deal Brexit, and it's about price volatility. So there's quite a lot of uncertainty, and um, I think it's a good time for farmers to really look at their businesses and see if they think they're fit for purpose going forward as much as they can do. As you say, still uncertain times. Do you think many farmers are still having a a kind of wait-and-see approach, that they're thinking, well, let's just wait and see what happens in March. We might have Brexit, we might have no deal, we might have a new Prime Minister. Anything could happen, so there's no point in planning at the moment. A lot of farmers will wait and see, but actually what we're seeing is that some are deciding, okay, this is my time to exit the industry. And those decisions have already been taken before the agricultural bill came out. Um, and that, that will be for a variety of reasons. Um, one of the main issues is succession. 
farmers really are starting to now think about where is my business going, why am I working so many hours, filling in all these forms, where is my business going, and they're deciding, right, okay, we've got this massive uncertainty on the horizon, I'm going to exit the industry now. So that is having some effect. On the flip side of that, others are seeing this as a real opportunity to expand so um, those that are able to investing in the machinery uh, precision farming um, are really able to make the most of this and it's an opportunity to do some quite innovative farming agreements so share farming arrangements and just to have some flexibility going forwards may be key for a number of a number of farmers as well We've got the second reading in October. I guess really, as I think you said before, the devil is in the detail, isn't it? Now we need to really nail down and examine what's beyond these 62 pages. The devil really is in the detail here. Um, We don't know these environmental land management agreements. If you look at the bill, they can be delivered through loans, um, grants... Um, any range of mechanism. So what's that going to look like? How is it going to be managed? Um, Is it going to be paid on results? Or is it going to be a compliance system? I think everybody welcomes... Uh, Michael Gove's commitment to reducing bureaucracy. You know, everyone sees that's very positive, but these statutory instruments, let's not deceive ourselves, I think they're going to contain quite a lot of detail and will not totally be free from bureaucracy. Will we ever be free of it? I wonder. That's Catherine Harris, Head of Agriculture at Wilkin Chapman. Our agronomist Sean Sparling shared his views on the bill last week, again available on the podcast. Uh, What about agronomy-wise this week, Sean? I guess the weather has been uh, playing havoc. I think we got off quite lightly. It will do far, far more good than it will harm for several reasons. I took 10 mil of rain between 6 o'clock on Thursday morning and 6 o'clock on Friday morning. There are people, clients of mine 20 miles away who took closer to 20 millimetres of rain. But just spare a thought for those people up in the northwest of the country and in that top half who were taking 70 or 80 millimetres of rain. And that will cause significant issues for getting on the land, physically getting on the land. Down here, 10 to 20 mil of rain, absolutely the perfect amount for us to get because not only will it start to make the oilseed rape grow away from the cabbage stem flea beetle damage, it will start to give a little bit of a drink, a very, very welcome drink, some of these later drilled crops of oilseed rape or the ones that went in maybe a little deeper and they've been sat in dust because the combination of a bit of water, mineralisation of nitrogen, bit of warmth, the rape should start to now move away quite quickly. And the other good thing about the weather this week, the wind and the rain, is the fact that the cabbage stem flea beetle don't like those conditions so they will have been hiding away under the clods and the stones within the field and that again gives the oilseed rape that opportunity to move away another good thing is the fact that a drop of water onto residual herbicides which have been sat largely dry ever since they went on will reactivate those residual herbicides and we'll start to see the weeds which may have appeared to have been growing away from that herbicide layer start to be affected so that's another positive another positive will be some of this black grass will start to come through now Um, and not just in stale seed beds but also in old seed rape fields and that's a good thing because it means if you've got clethodim to go on and you're looking at black grass in the field 
just hold your fire for a week or 10 days just to see whether you get another flush of black grass coming through because obviously clethodim is purely contact if you go and spray a load out today which obviously you can't because of the wind but if you were to spray today and the effect of this rain and warm soils and nitrogen is the fact you get another flush by the end of next week then obviously it would have been better to wait a week now hindsight's a wonderful thing i'm blessed with it we can't always know what the right thing to do is so make your own call you know your fields better than i do uh, but just just bear that in mind that you may well get another flush slug activity has increased marginally over the last few days but remember if you've got any water courses around a field you're probably better to use ferrous phosphate which is only going to target uh, mollusks it only does slugs and snails it doesn't touch anything else it's widely used in organic farming systems anyway um, and it is completely innocuous when it comes to getting into the water course and now we've had a drop of water it may well be that metaldehyde movement is more than it was before so just for the sake of protecting the watercourses and protecting metaldehyde under the stewardship scheme probably best to use ferrous phosphate in these sorts of conditions it works really well i'm not disappointed with it at all you don't see the bodies because it's more of a chronic toxin than it is an acute toxin um, and the other great thing is it's just made the land a bit sticky and soggy to stop people going out and drilling winter wheat into black grass land remember the fundamentals if you've got black grass we're only just out of the third week of september the main black grass germination period almost irrespective of the dormancy percentages within the blackgrass population is that last week of September through the first two to three weeks of October it varies year on year but that is pretty much when the main blackgrass germination period is now if you've got stale seed beds which you should have if you're trying to control blackgrass the best herbicide you can apply for blackgrass control is glyphosate so getting that stale seed bed to work getting a flush of blackgrass through before you even think about drilling and probably two flushes to be fair is the only way to go so just because it's been nice and dry i fully understand the the mentality that well actually if it does come wet it can cause us problems on this land we might not get it in but just remember we are not talking about as if we're sat here today on the 20th of October. We're sat here today on the 23rd of September, so it's plenty early enough. And also, a flush of black grass is about 500 to 600 plants per square metre. It is not 80 to 100. If you spray off 80 to 100 plants in your stale seed bed and you're assuming that's the black grass flush out of the way it isn't that is a proportion of the first flush of black grass so stick to the principles and try and delay those bad black grass fields until you get nicely through october so that you can control that black grass with glyphosate and cultivations because once the crop's in the ground you're committed to it if it comes up full of black grass and you've already put your herbicides down there's very little for you to do apart from glyphosate it off and start again now another thing to remember this autumn like any other autumn is just watch the depth you're drilling at particularly if you're using pre-emergence herbicides because they rely on selectivity by depth protection and on the label liberator crystal avidex they are asking you to drill it 32 to 40 millimeters deep so 40 mil of settled soil above that seed even after it's been rolled and the reason for that is you don't want direct contact with the seed itself from these herbicides that will cause crop damage but also you don't want the roots of these plants these wheat seeds to be in that barrier of herbicide that's why you want to be drilling it 32 to 40 mil deep and the finer and firmer the seed bed you get the more 
uh, activity and the more reliable activity you'll get out of your pre-emergence herbicide. So the big thing this, this week, I think, nice drop of rain, we were desperate for it, but just remember that just because your neighbour's out there drilling, it doesn't necessarily mean that you should be too. Stay dry if you can. Sean Sparling of Sparling Agronomy Services. Let's stay with the weather. The Farming Programme, five-day forecast. The horrible weather we've been experiencing over the last few days is all down to the jet stream coming out of Canada, bringing particularly unsettled weather to, uh, well, most parts of the UK. It should settle down this week, though, some more settled weather as uh, we move to the southern side of the jet stream. We're not quite through it yet, though. Some particularly heavy rain to come today, indeed through much of the day until early evening. We're looking at highs of around 9 Celsius. The wind blowing from the north-northeast at about 25 up to 35 miles an hour. Now, it will calm down overnight. That will lead to some clear skies. That will push temperatures down to around 5 Celsius early tomorrow in places. The wind dropping as well from the west-northwest around 10 to 15 miles an hour. And then, as I say, it should be calmer. We've got plenty of sunshine to come for Monday. 13 will be the high. The wind from the north-northwest at about 10 miles an hour. Staying calm and dry overnight. Clear skies, temperatures at 7 first thing on Tuesday. And then a sunny start to the day, but then clouding over. But it should stay dry, 15 the high. The wind more from the south at about 10 miles an hour. Overnight, Tuesday into Wednesday. Again, some cloud, but uh, it should be dry. 7 will be the low. We're looking at the wind from the south-southwest, 10 to 12 miles an hour. And that southerly wind will mean temperatures will slowly rise again as we get to the middle of the week. Plenty of sunshine, 17 the high and the wind from the southwest at about 15 miles an hour. And then it looks like that settled period will stay with us through the rest of the week as well. Temperatures might even get up towards 19 Celsius for a time towards the end of the week. Overnight lows generally between 7 and 9 degrees. That's the forecast. British Food Fortnight started this weekend, celebrating all things food and farming made in Britain. Various events happening over the next two weeks. Good luck if you're involved. I hope the uh, fortnight goes well. Of course, Strictly started this weekend as well. So, uh, as I can hear the music, it's time for me to bid you farewell for another week. I shall simply say, keep farming!